Hello and welcome back to TNWKS, the Now We Know show, the show where we discuss a topic of interest and by the end we will have learned something new and hopefully you will too. I'm Zach. And I'm Buzz. And in this episode, we're discussing whether solar storms could be the end of civilization as we know it. If you enjoy the Now We Know Show podcast, why not support Zach World Productions on our Patreon page? Become an official ZWP patron for as little as £1 a month for exclusive early access to all our latest episodes, videos, behind the scenes, updates and more. So, before we get into solar storms, it's time for, you guessed it, Word of the Week! 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 Word of the Week is all about old English words we don't use anymore. All you have to do is write down what you think it means in the comments. We will then reveal what it means at the end of the episode so you can find out if you got it right. I kind of feel a little bit on my Todd today, because I know because no Jack, no, no Jack. Jack. Well, it's just me and you. We know what Jack's like. He's probably going to have a field day with this one. Oh, is he? He's going <laughs> to listen, in, listen in and uh, probably come up with something. Okie dokie. So the word of the week this week is crapulous. Crapulous. <laughs> they haven't really got anyone to theorise with, so keep your theories to yourself. Crapulous. Have a little think during the podcast, and okay. we'll find out at the end. Okay, yeah, I shall try and not. Let crapulous distract me from my solar storm. <laughs> or how how did you term it? Solar mass ejections? No, no, no. It's a coronal mass ejection. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yes, go into it. We're going to be discussing coronal mass ejections, everybody. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, subject for this week, solar storms. Obviously, this is a prepping episode. So, when you're talking prepping, you're talking all sorts of... Prepping for natural disasters and all Prepping sorts. for the zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Well, we haven't done, have we done that one yet? We don't think we've done that one. Kind of haven't, but that's kind of more of your doomsday prepper. Yeah. 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 I, I, think, I think that would be a fun episode for literally just discussing how you deal with a zombie apocalypse. But trust me, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, we have had a zombies episode way yeah, back way at back the beginning when, of the podcast. You know, um, but zombie apocalypse... We'll leave that in the realms of the doomsday preppers. Look forward to it at <laughs> some point. Anyway, right, on to solar storms. Okay, hit me with it. Firstly, Zach, do you know what a solar storm is? Well, I can only assume that it has something to do with the sun. Yeah, that's, um, that's quite a good guess. Also, a clue in there, the word <laughs> solar. Um, and possibly a clue saying storm. Well, it's something, a sunstorm. A sunstorm, yeah. There you go, well, that's yeah, a new yeah. one. Anyway, right, so, as you know, the sun, it's always there in the sky. Bright, warming and reliable. Mm-hmm. It rises every morning and sets every evening. And it's our greatest friend because without it, there'd be no life on Earth. Yeah. However... That until it suddenly vomits plasma and huge amounts of radiation in random directions. Oh no, the sun <laughs> seems like a kaiju now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these solar flares are also known as coronal mass ejections, or for short, CMEs. Oh yeah, I've heard of those before. And they can hit Earth and have serious consequences for the human race. Oh, go into detail. I would like to know how. Well, that's what this episode is about. It's just a discuss this. I mean, um, so. Probably the best thing to do is to think, how do solar storms work? How bad are they? And how can we prepare for them? 
Yeah, so <laughs> let's look at that. Well, we all face natural disasters such as flooding, tornadoes, wildfires, tsunamis and earthquakes, depending on obviously where you live in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and as preppers, we do our best to have preps in place to see us through such natural disasters. Um, that's, the, you know, that's to be expected. I, I think we brought it up in previous episodes that we see that some people prepare for a very specific, specific scenario. Yeah, Whereas I believe you've kind of got to have a bit of more of a broader spectrum of things well, to prepare for. You I, can't predict everything. Yeah, I suppose it's one of those odd things that, you know, you know like shows that you get like doomsday preppers. Yeah. Um, they kind of prep for a super volcano or, um, you know, zombie apocalypse. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but to be honest, I dare say there is probably, even on that show, uh, doomsday preppers is probably um, somebody that said, I'm prepping for a coronal mass ejection or solar storm, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the, you've got to look at likelihoods for things and it also depends on where you are because <laughs> let's face it we live in the uk mm -hmm. and where we live in middle england uh let's let's look at it we don't really have to worry about earthquakes do we we, no. we do get earthquakes i think, I I think have we... been woken up by an earthquake before and i haven't been woken up by an earthquake before no because you <laughs> I just slept, slept through, through it. it i slept through it even though everything was like for about uh just a few seconds was suddenly rumbling on, really yeah. well, I, I didn't even up. i didn't even notice i can't remember probably i don't know a few years ago now but yeah we did have yeah so we get earthquakes but we're not going to get ones that are really going to bring the house no, down a bit, a bit of flooding uh, but yeah we it. have areas in the uk that are potential for flooding uh we do get obviously storms yeah yeah mm, uh, you know which um, tend to be more to do with the wind than anything else mm. and last year because of i'm assuming global warming it was the hottest year we had and we had a lot of wildfires i mean we get wildfires um, moorlands and heathlands and things but we had Far vi more. Vi villages and things that were catching fire didn't we yeah yeah um, so remember. that's something that is obviously becoming so more prevalent so the solar storms yep. have they been in the news recently to kind of promote this podcast well kind of give us reasoning to do it that is a very good point because the reason that uh, i thought this would be a good subject to cover is that there has been uh, uh, in the news a lot about everybody in the UK, and not just in the UK, uh, other places as well, uh, being able to see the Aurora Borealis, which is the Northern Lights, uh, were making quite uh, an appearance about two weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And although yearly, you know, I've got friends up in Scotland and they usually post pictures onto uh, social media if they get to see a nice uh, Aurora, and um, but it's very un. It's not that likely further south to see them. Once in a while, you. Yeah, I don't think I've ever really seen them. But we, ha well, we haven't yet. I mean, we've we've been to Finland, haven't we? And unfortunately, it was minus twenty six in, in the snowstorm, so we still <laughs> didn't, still didn't get to see them, even though we were we were in the Arctic Circle and had our fingers crossed. But anyway, uh, in the UK, you very rarely um, see uh, the aurora down south. Yeah, once in a while. But lately. And very recently, we had a lot of solar activity, which meant we were getting quite an amazing amount of uh, people that were taking photographs, taking video and, and reporting, seeing the Aurora Borealis. And that is because at the moment, the sun is going through a much more um, aggressive cycle, which is getting more and more and more. I think it's meant to peak in about 2025. 
So right. we're in a very uh, uh, active kind of a heated zone. <laughs> we're, we're, the sun is very, very active at the moment, and mm. that's creating the opportunity for us to see the aurora borealis, which are basically charged um, particles in the atmosphere, um, which are uh, which, which are basically interacting with the uh, magnetic field of the Earth. Yeah. Which, they normally get directed to the north and south poles. I'll explain that a bit later on. But you don't usually get to see them so far down. But I'll give you so more it's, information. So it's about. not a very regular occurrence. No, it's, it's because the sun at this present moment is getting, is going through a very active stage. Yeah. But it hasn't got to its most active stage yet. So because it goes in cycles. This cycle you're talking about, what's the regular? How how many years are we talking that this cycle would go through? Um, well. Would it be, Tens of years or uh, hundreds of I think, years? I think it's meant to be, you know, you, you might need to uh, check on this, but I th recall, I think it was about like an 11-year cycle. Um, oh, okay. But even so, those cycles can be more aggressive or less aggressive, depending. Some, sometimes it's a matter of chance. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, having a solar storm, and again, I'll, come out, uh, I'll cover this a bit later on, but um, large uh, solar storms probably expected to be around twice every century really big ones right okay so it's it's a very real kind of concern yeah, and that's why it's because we've had a lot of solar activity lately we thought we'd do this particular podcast because it's topical yeah um but unlike certain subjects that the doomsday preppers go down mm -hmm. um it's an actual real phenomenon yep. it's a real natural it has happened it, and it will happen again without a shadow of a doubt it will, listen listeners, it will happen again. The Earth at some point will be hit by a large solar storm. What happens, well, we're going to discuss that in, in this episode, um, but it's a real thing. It's not mm. a made-up, you know... It's uh, not a hypothetical zombie we're, apocalypse. Yeah, we're, we're not prepping for, for or what if the aliens land type of preparation. <laughs> but yeah, everybody preps for a something, and that might just literally be prepping because you live in a flood zone or you might be prepping because you live in a place which uh, yeah, like tornado alley uh, in america and places like that so you know prepping is a is a normal activity for mm -hmm. people to do but when it comes to solar storms let's have a look at it then right so now let's start off with the science bit aha <laughs> we like a little sciencey jingle there. now i've got to like we always say on the now we know show we're just average guys talking about all sorts of subjects mm -hmm. Hopefully we learn stuff. Hopefully the listeners learn stuff. That's what it's all about. But we try and do our research and keep it as spot on as we possibly can. Yeah. And boy, this has taken a bit of research. <laughs> so you have to bear with me on this one um, because I've been researching. I've been reading up on it, helping through my books, through articles, watching videos and all sorts. Because I wanted to get it as you know, spot on as I can Yeah. for somebody who is not a bony fidey scientist. Yeah, but you are quite into kind of space stuff. Yeah, I, I stuff. love my astronomy. But at the same time, I wanted to present this sciencey bit uh, in a way that I hope everybody's going to understand. Yeah. Okay, so I haven't gone too OTT with, with all the bits and pieces. Right, so the sun seems pretty solid floating in space, but it's more like a huge, extremely hot liquid ocean that spends its time ripping atoms to pieces and ripping them into electrons and nuclei which flow around each other in a plasma. Okay, so it's literally it's like a gigantic nuclear power plant. It's yeah. Literally splitting atoms to pieces. Okay, so if we can get that into our head. Now this plasma is then pushed around by the sun's magnetic field 
the sun's magnetic field creates electricity and the electricity creates the magnetic field okay so it's this it's kind of like this perpetual, perpetual thing, sustaining exactly. thing so on the sun the plasma of electrically charged protons and electrons creates a magnetic field and they move and this magnetic field shapes the flow of the particles okay mm -hmm. so they're kind of like moving around yeah and they and this basically means that they're stuck in what's called a dynamic feedback loop now <laughs> that sounds very kind of like sci-fi <laughs> yeah, no, which basically means a dynamo okay so like you know it's perpetually moving moving, moving churning around perpetually and... doing doing what it does yeah okay uh, and this dynamo keeps the sun's magnetic field alive and this magnetic field leaks out away from the sun throughout our whole solar system okay mm -hmm. so you've got this gigantic dynamo in the middle of our solar system churning away splitting well atoms. yeah it's, it's basically the center of our solar system isn't well, it it is it's just like, we are all the planets are locked into their the gravitational, gravitational orbit, orbit. Yeah. so as this magnetic field leaks out away from the sun this carries along with it a constant flow of solar plasma known as the solar wind so have you heard of solar wind yeah i think i've heard it in some sci-fi yeah, films yeah. and things okay so it's, it's basically solar pla it's solar plasma coming away from the sun yeah you can't it's nothing you can see, see it's just a thing these that's tiny particles there. which are there and uh, i think there's some ideas of using it as a, a way to project uh, spaceships through through space well, don't catching the spaceships have protective kind of like oh, yeah, yeah, shielding yeah, they've got shielding against the radiation and everything but yeah uh, but they've been talking about using the, the solar wind um to to push craft and going back them. to the um the films they use kind of like solar sails yes yeah, so that's that's basically yeah. the kind of thing so the plasma would hit it the solar wind would hit it and push it and because the that's traveling basically virtually the speed of light you can imagine how faster you would go if you could if you could harness that you could harness that yeah anyway um, however, just as you would imagine, wind on Earth, it's not always calm, okay? So it's not always calm with the solar wind in space. Uh, and as the uh, sun's plasma churns around, it creates twists in the sun's magnetic field, and these twisted knots build up an enormous amount of energy, and then these knots snap, yeah, and, and they act like a catapult and fling out plasma and radiation into the solar system. And these are known as solar storms. And they come in various types, like solar flares, which are, a, uh, you could sort of look at them like a tidal wave of high energy radiation, which moves at light speed. Um, and these push, they, 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 they kind of scoop up protons and accelerate at high speed uh, into a solar proton storm. Okay, mm. as they come away from the sun. Then there are those that I've already mentioned that are called coronal mass ejections. And these rip billions of tons of plasma from the sun's atmosphere, throwing it out across the solar system at around 9 million kilometers per hour. That sounds quite dangerous. Yes. <laughs> uh, and when these monster storms hit us, nothing happens. All right, because that was <laughs> going to be my main question is, what happens in the eventuality that one of these hits Earth? Basically, nothing. Oh, okay. okay. But, but, but there's a but. but. That's good. That's good. We like the but. But <laughs> okay. hopefully, well, uh, anyway. Well, anyway. Um, while small solar storms can affect satellites and communication, uh, for people on the surface of planet Earth, uh, this space weather is basically harmless. Oh, okay. like on a biological level, it yep. has no effect on no us. No effect whatsoever. on plants, animals, us. You know, we're just, we're just so is it done. like a technology thing? 
Uh, well, the thing is, it's you know this, this charged plasma, the, the 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 interaction with the Earth's um, magnetic field and everything creates bursts of energy. Mm. All right. So let me let me continue with with this. Okay, go with it. So, however, sometimes the sun kicks out what is called a solar superstorm. And scientists know they happen once or twice every century, which I already mentioned. Um, but if one hits Earth today, it would violently compress the Earth's magnetic field. It would merge with the Earth's magnetic field and stretch it out into a long tail. So if you imagine it's coming away from the sun, yeah. it hits the Earth. The Earth's magnetic field it gets compressed on the side of the Earth, which is facing the sun. Yeah. And as that solar storm goes around the Earth, it yeah. stretches the magnetic so, field out. But it out. kind of looked like a droplet, but side, sideways, yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of droplet yeah. type thing? Yeah, I mean, it's invisible to the eye. Yeah, because yeah, it's it, the magnetic but field. But it would drag this tail out behind the Earth as yeah. it travels out away from the sun. <laughs> but eventually, the energy stored in that tail would be so much to contain that the tail would snap and explosively release its energy back towards Earth. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> okay. Okay. And that's what creates a geomagnetic storm. Right. right. Okay. Here we go. A geomagnetic storm. However, throughout mankind's time on this planet, it's fair to say no one would care if the Earth was hit by such a storm because it doesn't affect creatures made out of flesh and blood. As I've just said, makes no difference. So therefore, from the dawn of man, the Earth could have been hit by many of these geomagnetic storms. Yeah, because I think, I think you have the... said that it has been hit before. Mm, nobody would pay the blindest bit of attention to it. Okay, okay. it's fair news. However, it's very relevant to anything made out of metal and wire, unlike us made out of flesh and bone, you see. That's metal the, the... and wire. Yeah, that which kind... is not a natural thing to have on planet Earth. Yeah, because it's all been made. Yes, it's technology, you see. Oh, okay. So... The Earth in the 21st century is covered by millions of miles of cables supporting electricity, along with a huge network of transformers in substations that make our energy grid work. Uh, a coronal mass ejection can introduce currents into our power grid, which can completely shut it down, or worse, destroy the transformer network that keeps the power grid running. Oh dear. Hmm. Now, this has happened already. It happened in Quebec in 1989 when a solar storm shut down the whole of Quebec's power grid for nine hours. This may not seem so bad, and it isn't, as our electrical engineers know how to deal with these events if given enough warning. Because what they can do is they can take measures and kind of preempt it, preempt it, and sort things out. Again. How would how would they do that? Ah, oh, we'll get to that. Ah, oh, okay. Okay. So. so anyway, so we know that these happen, and it has happened. Yeah. And this happened recently. The last time a solar hurricane hit the Earth was in 1859 and was called the Carrington Event. Uh, I think you've mentioned that on the podcast before. Yeah, you should know this by now, Zach. Oh, yeah. So the Carrington Event. Now, massive atmospheric aurora was seen as far south as the Caribbean. Wow. And in some places, it was so bright that people thought that the sun had risen and it was morning, so they, they got out of bed. It wasn't. <laughs> okay. However, luckily back then... The only modern technology was the telegraph system, which failed all over the world, shocking some of the operators and uh, throwing out sparks from the machines. So would that kind of completely, like, 
they be write-offs that that equipment would that, that, be recoverable i dare say that they did have to do some repair work to get the telegraph system back up and running but yes i mean technically it would fuse things and depends on how much of that power is again it's all kind of like variable isn't it but this is the interesting point when it comes to solar storms 65 million years ago we had dinosaurs the sun was still kicking out solar storms you know solar tornadoes massive coronal mass ejections but because of our own planet's magnetic field and everything else we are all perfectly safe and don't pay any attention to it Apart from, ooh, pretty lights in the sky. Pretty lights. <laughs> That's all we can actually see exactly. of it. Um, but again, the pretty lights in the sky recently have been getting more and more visible. Mm. And that just means one thing, that the sun is becoming more and more active so and that's larger. A, that's essentially, it's a warning sign. Could be. Could be taken like that. Okay. However, today, we have a vast amount of technology and our luck could run out soon. Another massive solar storm is bound to happen eventually, as I've already said. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, the, our planet now is absolutely covered in technology. technology. And around our planet are thousands of satellites. Yep. All of them would be vulnerable to a very large solar storm. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a big blackout almost you kind of suggest it's, it's a big problem it's a big problem it could be could be a big problem <laughs> yeah okay. a storm of the same magnitude of the current event which happened as i say back in 1859 mm -hmm. only just missed the earth in 2012 oh so that's fairly recent then it's very recent wow now when that occurred a study projected that it could have inflicted severe damage to electronic systems globally and it would have cost around $2.6 trillion to the USA alone to fix. That's just, just the US? Just the US. That's, that's an enormous amount of repair work. To replace all the damaged systems was estimated. That's if that, that particular storm hit us. Okay. To replace all the damaged systems was estimated between four to ten years. So... Potentially, had that hit us, yep. we would still be repairing the damage now. Now, exactly. And considering all the stuff that recently we, that we've been going through, yep. like wars, mm -hmm. COVID, mm -hmm. that's just a hell of a lot more hassle. Oh, gosh, yes. Crikey. Uh, yeah, it's fair to say that some experts disagreed and said that the damage could have been less. But technically, unless we get hit by such a massive solar storm... We just don't You can't know. calculate it. I kind of suppose it's a bit like saying, um, well, I don't know if this is a good example, but if you take your mind back, I mean, you were only a kid, but if you took back to 1999 and the millennium bug, everybody was worrying about that as soon as we got to midnight... Every, and all the technology was going to... All things would stop, computers would crash, banking would go down, planes would fall out of the sky, all this kind of stuff. Never happened. So... But then that was kind of a, a man-made theoretical kind of bug in the system. Mm. This is a natural uh, occurrence, occurrence yeah. and, a, and a natural disaster that in the previous uh, history of the world would make no difference at all. Mm. But because we, in the past 100 years, or, or, or just over 100 years, have developed all this high-tech stuff... yeah. It could it's kind of leaving us open to this kind of thing. Yeah, it could really make some really serious damage, okay? Uh, 
So going back to if that particular solar storm had hit us, they estimate that uh, there is at least a 50-50 chance that we will be hit by one in the next 50 years. Okay. Yeah. And at the moment, the sun is going, as I've already said, the sun is going through a very active stage, which is estimated to peak around 2025. But that's not all, folks. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Scientists expect the sun can throw out what is known as a super flare. A every, super flare. A super flare every few, few thousand years. Give me teeth in. Yeah, super flare. Okay. And these super flares are way beyond anything that has been observed before. And if one such storm were to hit the planet and we were unprepared, then the consequences could be catastrophic. <sighs> it can't be overstated how much the human race depends on electricity. If it all went, it would mean no communications, no computers, no banking system, no functioning hospitals, a breakdown in water supplies, no supply chain, shops... Uh, not being restocked. Food would just sit there and rot in the fields because it couldn't actually go anywhere. It would take decades to try and rebuild our power grid. But well before then, let's be honest, well before then, we would be in a total breakdown of society. Oh, knock out the podcast. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you know, I mean, as they say, you know, we're always 72 hours or three meals away from anarchy. No, I really didn't, don't know what I'd do without this podcast. So, yeah, I, I think I'd go crazy. Exactly. Or, so, even worse, normal. Well, <laughs> we'll have to see if we can find two empty tins of beans, stick a bit of string on it, and I'll sit one end of the garden, you can sit the other end, and we can talk, <laughs> talk, talk down it between this podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, seriously now, no, so if such a solar storm were to hit us that had that kind of impact on our... Uh, Technology. Technology. Our technology as is, and I'm not trying to put any frighteners on anybody, but it kind of balances on a knife edge. You know, even the banking system, I mean, uh, what was it, the Silicon Valley Silicon Bank Valley this just went week, down, yeah. That went down. Thankfully, in the UK, uh, I think it's the HSB, had bought out the UK side of it mm. for one pound. And two. Wow. Well, you say wow, but there were so many tech companies in the UK that have got all their money in that bank. Well, I guess so. That they would have just crashed. Yeah. So, thankfully, the government and the banking system in the UK came to the Stepped rescue. In, yeah. And, you know, all those businesses can continue trading. But if you think if a solar storm of that magnitude hit our the power grid mm. uh, before anybody could do anything about it, and it was knocking out the power grid, it would literally blow transformers. It would... Every, everything would go down. Uh, the, the banking system would crash. Can you imagine it? If the banking system went offline, even just for 24 hours, nobody can access any of their... Oh, everyone files. would go mad. But we're talking about perhaps databases being completely wiped. Yeah. So all your banking, all your money, everything gone. All your, all your records, it's all gone. your history, exactly. ev everything, um, that's, yeah. photos, everything things, gone. Things like, uh, I don't know how nuclear plants would put up with it, but nuclear plants... If they uh, they need to have electricity running to the nuclear plants to run them, mm. I think it's in Ukraine at the moment that uh, the that huge great uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but you know the great big nuclear plant they've got there. Yeah, and they were worried that the power supply to the plant would be cut off mm. um, because then they've only got about twenty four hours or yeah, a backup of, or backup something of like diesel that. Diesel generators yeah. to try and keep the core cool. Would, would that would that, in this event of a solar storm would that kind of uh, if you help get, with that? If you can get the diesel generators to work, 
if they mm. haven't been affected, well, it's only going to run as long as you've got diesel put in them. Yeah. And it's like with hospitals. If hospital pa- hospitals' power goes down, hospitals have backup generators. If they work, great. But they're only going to run as long as they can get diesel. Yeah. But if your whole transportation system has gone down, mm. if the factories and everything producing the fuel and transporting the fuel has gone down, mm. you're not going to get any more fuel. I mean, we're in an energy crisis as yeah. it is. You're just the water that comes out of your taps is all under pressure because of electrical yeah. pumps pumping it and keeping the pressure up. If the pressure goes down, you're not going to get water mm. out of your taps. So suddenly, as I already said, the whole of your system, the whole of your... Breaks down. Uh, you know, as soon as you've got transportation issues and you can't get food to people, how long before mm. shops are stripped? Well, I dare... what happened in the pandemic. Yeah. You know, people I dare say around. that a major issue now is going to be the money. The money side of things, because most people now are using cards. There's no physical money. That's right. I mean, people would run out and say, oh, I need to withdraw some money. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, you don't have any money. There's no yeah. record of money. You don't. It's everything you have earned Has is gone. now gone. Exactly. And that would just mess everyone up. Yeah, you know, and e- even if it hadn't gone, but the power is out. And as we've said before, uh, if Transformers are gone, it might take a long time to get systems back up and running mm. again that would and that was just in the event of a normal one that would cause a lot of issues socially mm. and how long before people start to prey on people yeah you know, that's that's something to so how would we prepare for this event okay well to kind of prevent it from being as bad okay as it would be okay well let, let, let me let me Hopefully, I'll cover that on my next little bit of research. Okay. So, so, so now it's, as I say, now it's not for me to panic everyone. Uh, yes, doomsday preppers love to think that society will be thrown back to the Stone Age, but it probably um, won't happen on such a huge scale. All the side effects of a solar storm are preventable as long as scientists detect a solar storm heading our way and engineers are prepared for them. Uh, then there should be a large enough window for engineers to shut down and isolate energy grids uh, and things can be taken offline by simply unplugging them, to be honest. Okay. Right, okay. Um, so with the correct investment, it's possible to protect the world against the nastier effects of a solar storm. But something tells me, you know, honestly, something tells me that the world working together as one isn't going to happen anytime soon. Okay, so where you might have countries that... Get an early warning, and then their engineers can try and shut down the systems, divert power, do all these mm. things. There's certainly going to be countries in the world that have just not got the not got the, infra- the infrastructural yeah. facilities to do that, and then they're going to get whapped by it. Yeah, yeah. you know, which is going to cause issues. Yeah, because they're going to be asking for help, yeah. and somebody's going to help them. Well, you take the Ukraine again. You have a war in the Ukraine, and the Ukraine is the breadbasket of the world, mm. and people weren't getting any. Grain. Grain. Uh, so yeah. if you get, again, so if you've got transportation issues from certain hubs around the world where you need supplies it, from. It causes issues it, on a global and, scale. And then you get that knock-on effect. Therefore, as individuals, and as the scouts would say, be prepared. Yes, <laughs> yes, very true. Be prepared. So yeah, to answer your question, um, if you're going to be, a, if you're a prepper and you want to be prepared, yeah, I think the thing is, is just to go along with your normal preps to... Make sure that you've got however many preps you think you need for a certain period of time. Other countries around the world 
actually encourage their citizens to prep. Mm -hmm. They tell people, they say to their citizens that they should have at least two to three months food resources. Yeah, you know, like in the storage um, cupboard. Yeah, uh, money, physical money. You know, so like just you in just case said, you said about the electronic cards. Yeah, you know, it's a good idea to actually have physical money, and also to have a lot of uh, small money. Yeah, right. there's no point in having a twenty pound or a fifty pound note. Well, that's basically useless now. Nobody will take them. Well, if even if people were taking them, you're not going to get. You know, can I have change? Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Sorry. It's better to have smaller denominations if that was the case, if you had a period of time that you had to get through before things got back online. Mm. So you've got to kind of look at solar storms and as being a real thing. And if we get hit by one, that hopefully the effects, like in Quebec, it was just a nine-hour blackout, but potentially could be a lot worse in that it could be knocked out for, um, you know, days, weeks, before things come back online. You've still got to be the, ready for that. You know, and so if you've got enough food and water supplies to get you through, then you're great. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, as I've said before in other previous prepping uh, podcasts, a lot of people these days, they live in that kind of 24-7 world where they hardly have anything in their cupboards. Mm. And so they're not prepared for anything. And of course... Yes, anybody listening to this, we are going through a cost of living crisis. Not everybody can afford to go out there and stock their cupboards up with stuff in one hit. And I wouldn't recommend anybody to do that in the first place. Um, when we had Jack, good old Jack Harris yeah, in the studio. Pre prepping on a budget for pre when the lights go out. He, he said, you know, when he goes shopping, he yeah. gets an extra couple of cans of yeah, value you beans. You do not have to prepare in one hit. In one hit. No, I wouldn't suggest people go out and prep in one hit. Yeah, that, that just... Uh, it goes back to what happened in the uh, pandemic when everybody was rushing out and grabbing all the toilet rolls and everything, stripping the shelves. And then the nurses that were finishing their shifts mm. to go home couldn't get any, any food from so the supermarket. So would you say that preppers are hoarders? Ah. <laughs> now that is a good question. And I'm going to immediately answer that with a big fat no. Right. Now, it's really, really kind of one of those things that kind of bugs me where people say, oh, you're hoarding, you're hoarding food supplies, you're hoarding stuff. You know, think about that for a moment. Preppers go to work, they earn their money, mm -hmm. they pay their rent, their rates, their mortgages, they get through life like everybody else does. Yeah. But if they decide to spend their money on buying supplies that may never get used well, they get used because you do rotate. You eat your way through them and rotate them, you know. So you know, if, you've got, if you had uh, a shelf full of food and you've got it all in date, uh, you know, set, uh, set out chronologically in date, you're going to eat the stuff that's coming up and you're going to replace the stuff at the other end. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Yeah. So, so once you've got your stock, you're going to... Keep rotating your stock. Yeah, so you, it's going to be far easier to maintain than yeah. just going out and so, getting so, so the an point, entire shop in one so go. So the point is, you build up that stock, and then if a circumstance happens, for example, you know you get a, a blackout or you get you know storm damage and you suddenly you know or there's an issue like with the coronavirus where suddenly people were rushing out to the shops and the shops were being stripped. Mm. You can sit at home going, well, actually, I'm fine because you're worried. You're going to slowly eat through that. But you've got until, a buffer zone. Until such a time as hopefully everything sorted itself out and you can go and slowly restock it again. Mm. That's the whole point of being prepared. And prepared might be food, water, medical supplies, 
you know, all sorts of things. Um, but to answer this, no, we're not hoarders. Preppers aren't hoarders because they spend their money on those preps. So that food stock, those food supplies, whatever, let's just stick with the same food because everybody just looks at it as food. Uh, if you look at your supplies, that's your money in a bank. Mm. So if other people are putting their money in the bank and saving up to go on their happy holidays to the Maldives or you know to, to Mexico or wherever, mm. they're spending their money on what they wish to. The preppers are spending their money on their preps. Now it's an investment, isn't it? Now a situation occurs, is it fair to say, ooh, you're hoarding the food? I don't think that's fair at all. Hoarders are the ones that rush out and clear all the shelves and don't leave anything for anybody else. Yeah. Peppers don't do that. Peppers have already progressively just trickle, topped up all their stuff. Yeah. Nobody does, doesn't even notice that that's what the preppers are doing. They grow their own food, example, mm. and all this. Let's give that an example. So you're in a situation, people around you, people you don't even know, suddenly think, well, they've got, they've got supplies, they've got food. They come knocking on your door. Can we have some of your food? Can we have some of your supplies? I need this, I need that, because we haven't got any. The shops are, shops are cleared out. We can't get anything. We need food. You might feel generous enough to give out some. Give them something. But are you going to keep giving all your stuff away to everybody? Word of mouth is just going to yeah. spread. Well, the thing is, even if you say, I'm sorry, no, you're going to get a load of abuse. Oh, you backlash. Because yeah. they're going to say, you know, this is unfair. You're hoarding everything. This is really unfair. You know, how could you do this? Who said life was fair? <laughs> and you think, well, hang on a minute. I prepped for this situation and you didn't. And you're taking that, that out on me yeah. for that. So now let's look at it a different way. Let's just say I was somebody who says, oh, no, oh, I've, I've just lost my job. I've got no money. I've got to pay, pay my mortgage at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, my car's up. I've got to pay my insurance on the car. I can't afford any fuel in the car. Uh, and I need to put fuel in the car so I can go and... You know, see if I can get another job somewhere else and I'll need transportation to get there because I live in the countryside and I can't use public transport, blah, 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 blah. I know. I'll go next door and I'll start knocking on the neighbours' houses and say, hi, can you give me £500, please? You're not going to get it back, but I need £500 because I need it. Yeah. Uh, I need money for my petrol. I need money for this. I need money for that. And they go, well, no, no, I'm not giving you my money. Of course money. that's not going to happen. I'm not going to give you my money and then never see you again. Oh, hang on a minute. There's another person knocking my door wanting money. And then, would it be fair of me to say, well, that's unfair. You're hoarding all your money in your bank account. That's yeah. really unfair. You're hoarding it all. Yeah, you, know? you earn that. Uh, yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> Why would I feel I've got a right to say, give me your money. You're never going to see it again. Yeah. And then at the end of the month, they're not going to be able to afford to pay their mortgage and things. Mm. No, it's totally unfair. So are preppers hoarders? No, they're not. And you shouldn't see them as that. And you shouldn't complain if you're ever stuck in a situation. And if you're nice, maybe they'll help you out. But even a prepper can't help everybody out. Don't take the mickey. <laughs> don't take the mickey. Uh, so, no, I don't think in a situation uh, where uh, you get uh, a natural disaster and somebody is prepped for it, they shouldn't be berated for for, for, for doing so. For doing so. Um, but people aren't like that, are they, Zach? No, they're not. People will immediately go on you. Yeah, there was a there was an interesting, uh, and I can't think of the top of me, top of my head. If anybody listened to this knows the the short film I'm talking about, but I saw a short film on YouTube, 
and it was about a chap, uh, it was based in London, and he'd been prepping, and I think he, he'd got a couple of kids and he's, and he's married, and in the, it was a very short film, but the, the wife was kind of, you know, you're a nutter, you're a nutter or something. And then a disaster occurs. Yeah. And suddenly it is, I can't remember what it was, but suddenly there was like people scrambling around, there's no food. And, and there was a period of time where you see him sort of shutting down, closing all the doors, locking down till it's calmed down. And then he makes this mistake. He goes in the garden, gets out of the barbecue, starts cooking some food. Oh, no. And a couple of young lads spot the smoke. They're over the fence before he knows it. Oh, right, mate. Oh, you got food. You got food. Oh, give us. And his, and his wife's going, oh, yeah, be nice, you know. And so they give him some food. Uh-huh. food. And, Slippery uh, slope. And then while they're there, Slippery he's going, slope. oh, you, 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 you got a petrol generator. You got, I can see you got a petrol generator, you know. Yeah. Within 24 hours, house has been raided. He's been beaten up. Yeah, all his stuff has been taken. All, all that work. All that work, and it, it basically ruined. the story go you know, follows on that he is then to feed his family. He's forced. And he he eventually goes out to a to a supermarket, and then I think he ends up having a fight or something with somebody over a trivial, you know, loaf of bread or something. Can of peaches. And it's kind of like ends up, you know, how, how did I get to this point? You know? mm. But yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a thing. But I, I you know, I think. Uh, when it comes to prepping, it's just uh, it's a, just a natural thing for me. Well, as you said, it was the humanity's three meals away from anarchy. It's all it's all about getting it's the survival, isn't it? Yeah, it's surviving. People will turn on you in an instant. Yeah, you know, very uh, much so. And unfortunately, just know, to get what they want and they don't want you to have. Well, that's it. Or simply because you know they they can, if if somebody. In that situation, if uh, if society starts to crumble, it's the biggest, nastiest people in the society which will be the ones that will take. Mm. They will take, and you've got to be prepared that that's going to be the case. Uh, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, but that's kind of the human psyche, really. So going back to our previous prepping podcast about when the lights go out, would you say that those preps that we did in that podcast would be applicable to this one very very good point okay so uh, there we had our blackout box that uh, jack harris had named the blackout box and we encouraged everybody to make a blackout box uh, because we were it was predicted that we were possibly getting hit by uh, blackouts or rolling blackouts through this winter which for us thankfully didn't happen but it's Still, I'm glad we were prepared if they did. I know that in the UK there were blackouts up in Sheffield area where there were people for quite a period of time that didn't have any power. Uh, and if people there, obviously uh, the local community rallied around, everything was great. But again, if people had prepped and they, they might have just been a little bit more comfortable in the initial blackout situation. Um, but with the solar storm, of course, that can attack and destroy electronic equipment Mm. Um, now i'm not an expert on faraday cages but a faraday cage is uh like a well it could be any box you like i mean you can see videos of people inside standing inside cages being hit by thousands of volts like lightning bolts hitting the cage and they're perfectly fine kind of like does it act kind of like an insulator yeah it distributes the power around and it you know just earths it to the to the ground whereas so whatever's in that faraday cage it doesn't get affected by the EMP, electrical magnetic pulse, mm. and so its circuitry and stuff doesn't get damaged. 
So you could build yourself a Faraday cage, which uh, you can go on YouTube and see that. It could be something as simple as uh, 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 an old ammunition can or something like that. You just got to insulate it. So would that be, say, for like a phone or something? Well, this is an interesting point because I know people do make Faraday cages in order to protect vital stuff. And, uh, you know, so if you've got walkie-talkies, uh, uh, radios, things like that. However, if you got hit or the planet got hit by such a catastrophic uh, solar storm that it knocked out all the communications power systems, well, you're not going to have a phone network to connect up to him so hey i've saved my apple phone i've <laughs> saved my samsung i was like hello anybody there yeah there's no internet now <laughs> there's no internet there's no. um what i would be looking to to do is hopefully to uh have saved at least a radio even if it was just a basic wind up am fm radio right so that if any broadcasts are going out from anybody hmm. at least you've got the opportunity to pick it up might also be handy that if you've got uh, you know a long distance you know sort of ham radio or um, you know set of walkie-talkies that you you might want to use amongst yourselves hmm. if they've been protected within a faraday cage then that would give you you know those sort of items that you could use as long as you've got a power source that you could charge them from hmm. or supply them from so talking about faraday cages i know we said that it's this yeah. kind of like a small kind of box it could be any size you want yeah. it to be but could it be that your for in effect the faraday cage is the shelter you're within would that work if that makes sense well if you built if you built like a a faraday cage as big as your house you mean like just whatever it is a kind of shelter that you're living in to try and survive well, technically this. you could build a faraday cage i would imagine of any size so if you were inside that then everything in there should be protected right okay so, so that would kind of in theory work now i so they, we're not scientists here so i don't know for example say you had um a jackery uh battery bank or something yeah that you're gonna be using for power and you've got solar panels to recharge it etc mm. etc if that isn't switched on and it's not protected by something like a Faraday cage, I'm assuming a big enough magnetic storm would probably do some damage to its circuitry. Right. Yeah, even though it's not switched on, I'm assuming. Anybody listen to this can put me right. Please, please yeah. get in contact with us. We'd love um, to know. So, you know, you're running that risk that, therefore, you try and start it and it's not going to get, do anything. But if, uh, and the same I would imagine with the ele electronics in a, a petrol or diesel generator. But if it's protected, then, of course, once you get it, solar storm has passed, then you can use those things. Well, you can use a, a fuel, fossil fuel generator as long as you've got fossil fuel to put in it. Mm. Uh, obviously solar, yay, the sun's just destroyed everything because of a solar storm, but I've got the solar panels and they work, yay. Look, <laughs> him over there, he's got solar the panels, panel. he's got power. Let's go for it now. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not. So, uh, yeah, but uh, again, it all depends on where you live, uh, the type of... Where you are, what the situation is. is, there are so many variables, it's all kind of hypothetical. It is, but, but, rounding off, solar storms and their magnitude 
is not hypothetical. Mm, they, they do are, happen. They happen, happen regularly. Uh, it just needs for that coronal mass ejection. You imagine billions of tonnes of material basically exploding off the surface of the mm. sun, heading out through the solar system just as our little planet intercepts on its that. orbit and intercepts it at just the wrong time. Yeah. That is totally possible. And it's perfectly justifiable to be prepped for it. Exactly. I mean, that's why I don't really think prepping for a specific thing is kind of like, should be your main focus. I could understand if you were prepping, so you can't prep specifically, like, you know, say, I'm prepping for a solar storm catastrophe, and that's all you're prepping for. Because something else could happen. <laughs> but hopefully that's the point. Your preps are there to cover most bases. Mm. Obviously, if you are living in a zone where you are high risk of wildfires or high risk of... Um, Flooding. Uh, yeah, or, or uh, not typhoons. Yeah, typhoons. Chuck typhoons in there. Um, I'm just Tsunamis yeah, type yeah, thing. Yeah, I was thinking of... Oh, oh, twisters. Twisters, I can't think of the name of it. Oh, tornadoes. Tornadoes, that's it. So if you're in a zone where you know that a natural disaster is very probable... That you can say, yes, I'm kind of aware of that. Maximizing my preps for that event. There's a high potential of a tornado. Ergo, I'm going to make sure I've got a bunker that if a tornado comes and it rips my house off and throws it off to, to the Wizard of Oz or whatever <laughs> it is, uh, then I can get it down in my bunker. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to go down in your bunker if you're in a place where you know you're going to be suddenly six feet underwater because mm. flooding. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, all... that's going to be a really watertight bunker. It depends bunker. on your situation, doesn't it? It's going to be a it? really watertight bunker with a very long uh, air filter. <laughs> <laughs> very long. You know, so, yeah, the, there are certain parts of prepping which can be specific, but in general, but yeah, you're covering all bases. And solar storms is a real thing. There you go. So that's what we all know about solar storms or coronal Mass ejections. <laughs> you just had to say it, didn't you? I think we should come back, revisit the Faraday cage. Interesting. Since you brought it up, I think we should we should maybe say, you know, what's a Faraday cage? How does it work? How you can put one together? As the topic of a podcast. Yeah, I think. No, or at least slip it in in one of the other prepping ones. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, I, I think, again, we've had this conversation about prepping. I think next time... No, maybe something a bit more far-fetched. Yeah. Well, you, 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 just to say, go to the Faraday cage. You might ask me why I haven't got a Faraday cage since I'm a prepper. Right. Go on, ask me. Why don't you have a Faraday cage? Because I'm a prepper. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a Faraday cage because I'm not that fussed. Technology-wise. Technology-wise, you know, we live out in the countryside. If all the technology went down, it's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience, but, but you I'm, can survive without it. I can survive very well without it. Um, do I want to know what's going out in the rest of the world? Well, as I say, if I could have a working FMAM radio, fine. That probably just, much... just, just, there's a good quote, resort to the old ways. To the old ways, yes, yes. So anyway, yes, maybe you were suggesting another... Something a bit more far-fetched next time for a prepping podcast. Ah, okay, well... But again, we were talking about Faraday cages and shelters and things, maybe something like that, talking about shelters. Yeah, or simple, you know, one of the things that comes up I notice on different prepping forums... Uh, new preppers. I'm new to prepping. 
what should I do? You know, so we could just cover some of the more some of the basics. Basics, yeah. You know, or even better, if you've got any areas of prepping you'd like us to cover, why don't you email us at info at zackwildproductions.com. And then we can read your email and you know, hopefully cover Answer some questions. Yeah, answer your Make questions. a podcast. Invite you into the studio, maybe. You know, let's see what happens. Brilliant. So there you go. Solar storms. It's a thing. Hopefully not a big thing, but it could be. Be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> so that brings us to Word of the Week. Word of the Week. Here yes. we are. It's crapology, isn't it? <laughs> crapology, no. <laughs> the Word of the Week was crapulous. 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 Have a think. Crapulous. Have a think. It's at times like this, I wish I knew my Latin better because I think the eulus, the eulus part of the crap has got to be <laughs> kind of, yeah, I'm trying to think of other words that end in eulus. I know Jack would have a field day with this. Crapulous, crapulous. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't say crapulous. it. Don't say what Jack would say. Crapulous. He'd uh, be rude. Oh, Jack would be. Wouldn't you, Jack, if you're listening? Yeah. <laughs> Um, it'd have me, it'd have me in stitches. I'd be, <laughs> I, he'd be crying by now and his glasses would have steamed up. Yep. That's very true. Um, crapulous. Uh, <laughs> I have honestly, you stumped me. You've got to give me something. Okay. You've got to give me something. Crapulous. 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 Um. Don't say it's something you leave in your pants. No. <laughs> See, you're trying to be a jack now and it doesn't work. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm too serious. Uh. I don't know. It's uh, somebody when they are speaking a lot of drivel. Okay, okay. Crapulous. A most appropriate sounding word for the condition of feeling ill as a result of eating or drinking too much. Right. I've drunk too much, I feel crapulous. Yes, it's a feeling. Ah, the feeling of crapulous. Being stuffed. Being stuffed. I, I'll remember that at Christmas. Okay. Cool, that feels crapulous. Oh, I'm feeling totally crapulous now. Yes, precisely. <laughs> so that was Word of the Week. Way good Word of the Week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe to this channel and comment below any suggestions of topics or activities you'd like to listen to in future episodes. You can find the Now We Know Show podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. Check out the Zach Wild Productions social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or visit the Zach Wild Productions website at www.zachwildproductions.com. Please get in contact, we'd love to find out how you're listening to us. So get in touch in the comments and don't forget to check out Zach Wild Productions on Patreon to become an official ZWP patron today. That's a big coronal mass ejection from Buzz. And that's a big solar goodbye from Zach. Goodbye. The Now We Know show, so, it's the end of the, the world. world. That's as we know, yeah. Be prepared, and, there we go. Okay. Be, be prepared. <laughs>